stuff is what we've been talking about tonight. The accumulation of stuff. Um, we're heading into the holiday season. That's the time of year where you get a lot of stuff. You know, it's uh, Secret Santas and so on. I, I suppose that's changed a little bit, gifts exchange and so on. But, you know, you do end up buying a lot of stuff. Some, some, listen, every once in a while you get a great small gift. I'm not, I don't want don't want to rain on anyone's Christmas parade here or holiday parade. Uh, some small gifts are, gifts are fantastic. But there is a lot of pressure to try and find stuff. And a lot of that stuff ends up just being put beside other stuff. George Carlin, of course, the late great, put it best. Let's have a listen. That's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. <laughs> now, sometimes, sometimes you've got to move. You've got to get a bigger house. Why? Too much stuff. <laughs> you've got to move all your stuff. And maybe put some of your stuff in storage. Imagine that. There's a whole industry based on keeping an eye on your stuff. Believe it or not, uh, a survey uh, in the States found that Americans spend an average of $18,000 per year on non-essential items. They were called $18,000 a year on non-essential items. Um, That's a lot of money. Now, I suspect a lot of us this year are probably looking, given inflation and the cost of living and so on, are probably looking for ways to spend a little bit less without necessarily doing without. Like you still want to give people gifts and acknowledge people that you love and so forth in that way. But you don't necessarily have to get them stuff, right? Um, It's good for our bank accounts. It's good for our souls at times. We can do this for ourselves as well, obviously. Good for the planet to top it all off. So how do you consume more wisely? Well, some people even make this a bit of an art. Our next guest went a full year without buying anything new, so to speak. Um, Ashley Piper is who we'd ask. She is a sustainability expert. She's author of a book called Give an S, Do Better, Live Better, Save the Planet. And she joins us tonight from Chicago. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Ben, for having me. So we've just been bombarded by days of advertising, continues actually, I, I should say, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and so on. Uh, but really looking uh, ahead to Christmas 2022 or holidays 2022, I should say, I think there is a real sense out there that uh, coming out of the you know, the, the worst days of the pandemic, that we should really be looking to conserve and sustain. How do you resist buying stuff at this time of year? Because you seem to be something of an expert at it, obviously. <laughs> The least fun expert at the party, right? right. <laughs> the, the person who shows you how to wrangle kind of overconsumption impulses. Well, first of all, it's really tough. I think a lot of people think, oh, it's just, you know, a lack of willpower. But really what used to be marketing standard was that we might get five, maybe nine impressions from a retailer, you know, and that used to be the good old paper flyers, maybe a television or radio ad. But now with social media and everything being so incredibly high touch and push notifications, most retailers are investing money to reach us about 50 times because they know it's going to take that for us to make a purchase. So it really is uh, quite a prevalent and insidious marketing in a way. So it's I just want to first issue that caveat. It's not that you know, you're buying things because you lack willpower. It really is a system designed to set us up to ostensibly fail and buy things as much as possible, especially during the holiday season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So some of the ways that people can kind of resist scratching that itch, as difficult as it may be, 
I oftentimes have been buying gifts secondhand or I gift things that are not things. So I tend to gift experiences or even for people like my friends, you know, who are parents, maybe acts of service like, hey, I'll babysit your kids for an evening so you guys can go out or I'll do pet sitting, something like that. And I find that those are often more meaningful for people than just getting another thing that's going to collect dust that might break that they don't actually need. So I do focus on more experiential things as well as gifting secondhand things. You can find a lot of brand new with tags on them items through a lot of these uh, brick and mortar consignment retailers, the online retailers that are doing secondhand and circular economy, like the Poshmarks, the Mercari's, the Facebook marketplaces. And so I'm always finding really interesting and thoughtful gifts for folks that they'll actually use that are basically brand new, but they're they're coming secondhand. Yeah, I, I guess one of the keys to cutting down is 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 having a goal too. Like you need to be able to, to justify why you're doing it, right? Uh, uh, I think a lot of people start start off with good good ideas because the one thing about the way you've described what that is is it does take a bit of time and thought. Like you have to be you have to have a bit, have a bit of a plan when you go in, as opposed to just sort of flipping through the Best Buy catalog looking for something your dad might like. You know, it's it's pretty, yeah. it's, it's, there's a bit of laziness to it too, no offense. There is, I mean, you know, and that's okay because we're we're so bombarded with, uh, with choices all the time. And we know scientifically our brains can only handle so many decisions a day. So retailers know that, marketers know that, and they they really want to capitalize on that. So they want to capitalize on you or me hanging out on the couch going, gosh, I don't know what to get dad for Christmas. You know, and then we start thumbing through a catalog or we see a social media ad and we go, oh, that's what I should do. There is element of planning that actually can help you to sort of be a little bit more organized, a bit more intentional with how you're heading into the holidays or how you're making any kind of purchase of an item. I have an initiative that I, I shepherd people through for free called No New Things. And I've done that for over a year before, but a lot of the folks who participate do it for just a week or for a month. And it's really to take a temperature on their spending habits and impulses to understand like what is their emotional state? What are they doing when they're really compelled to buy something? And a lot of times it's very much the same as when we're compelled to like go eat snacks at midnight, you know, if you're me. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, it's it's that people are in kind of an interesting emotional place where they're bored or they're procrastinating on something. They're seeking something other than actually consuming or buying an item. But that buying an item or browsing for an item is kind of a way to procrastinate or act on those emotions. So many of our purchases are not utilitarian. In fact, especially if you're female, it's been shown that about 95% of our purchasing is driven by emotions as opposed to by need. So, you know, oh, I, I had a wonderful day, so I want to treat myself or, oh, I'm feeling like crap, so I'm going to go and buy something to kind of cheer myself up. Or I saw an emotional commercial and it made me feel a kind of way about a product, so I wanted to buy it. So actually having something like I call a need note where you're looking at what do I need, what will I need to be acquiring or buying in the next few weeks. Maybe it's a birthday gift for someone. Maybe it's an item for your home or supplies for your kids. 
planning that out a little bit and then also determining, could I get this secondhand? Could I borrow this from a friend? Could I rent this item? Um, is a really good way to do that planning and also to give your imagination a little bit of a workout as to other ways you can acquire those items that you need beyond just going you know, on the big box retailers and buying it brand new. I've been interested just by how much the, because it's something we learn as children, right? That how much that whole idea of language comes into this and it's the want over need idea. I mean, need notes is great because you do need these things, but also this whole idea of want over need that we return back to this idea, do I want it or do I need it? And therein lies your difference, right? And then if you need it, you find out, as you pointed out, a better way of doing that. Absolutely. And a great way also to determine want versus need, or even like, does this item have utility in my life? So maybe it's a want as opposed to a need, but would you find a place for it? Would you actually use it? Is go ahead and put it in your virtual cart and then sleep on it, wait on it for a day or two. And then if you've completely forgotten about the item, chances are you're probably not going to have much use for it in your life. But if it's still on your mind, you're still thinking of ways you're going to use it, you're kind of obsessing over it, that might be an indication it could have good utility in your life and it might be a good thing for you to buy. But even just taking a pause is a really kind of important quote unquote hack. Because retailers really want to get us when we're in that instant gratification space. And if you can just delay that a little bit, you'll get a lot of insights into whether or not an item actually has usefulness in your life. Yeah, you get a lot of relentless reminders, too, if you leave something in that basket, I found. They, you uh, do a lot they, of coupon uh, codes, too. Did yeah. you forget something, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you forget something? It's 20% cheaper than when you were looking at it, and they keep they keep coming at you that way. I mean, you're right. One of the things I found so interesting about, about modern life, I sound like an old person now, but... That's is all right. That, we can be old together, yeah. Is exactly. <laughs> is that how, how commercials for things intertwine themselves with, with, you know, if it's on social media, with sort of day-to-day -day updates. So, oh, there's, you know, those pictures of my cousin's kids, and oh, by those sunglasses. So it's it's funny how it, it plays with the brain in a different way. Oh, absolutely. You know, I teach marketing and sustainability at universities here in the United States, and it is so fascinating how the landscape for marketing and, and also how much psychology and sociology marketers leverage to reach us in those sentimental spaces, in those kind of ways that we never were really reached before with traditional marketing. And it and that's why, you know, I kind of prefaced all this with being like, it's not a lack of willpower. They're coming at you from all angles. So another thing you can do is I recommend that people silence or, you know, unsubscribe or mute as many notifications as possible. Um, so there's always the, you know, kind of usual suspect of, unsubscribing from emails that tempt you to shop, but also unsubscribing, for instance, from text messages. So many of us receive text messages from retailers and we don't even realize that we've opted into that or unfollowing or muting influencers or social media accounts that tend to glorify hauls or shopping and things that you know create that impulse for us to shop. Because that's just gonna make it that much easier for you to not be as tempted to do those impulse purchases. You know, I've often read articles about um, about people who don't buy anything for a year, and I've always been curious about how was it? What did you most enjoy about it? And what was the hardest part about going a year without uh, new things? Yeah, so my challenge is I just didn't buy new things. So I still right. allowed myself to have new experiences. I bought groceries, right. you know, of I course, repaired yeah. things in my home. So it wasn't quite as ascetic as it sounds, but 
I found one, the most challenging thing for me was really getting in front of kind of that planning and then retraining my brain and having that attitudinal shift of when I needed something, I didn't need to go out and automatically buy it brand new or go on Amazon. Instead, I was like, maybe my neighbor has this. Maybe my friend does. Maybe I have something kicking around my house I could repurpose. So that was both a challenge. And I think in the end, it just became habit for me. I did it for so long. The benefits, the overt benefits of this, even if you do it for like just a week are one, you save a ton of money. I mean, when I did this for a year, I saved about $16,000 and that wasn't from making any extra income or anything that was just avoiding impulse purchases. And also time, you know, we, at least in the United States, the Department of Labor does this thing called the American Time Study. And they look at how average Americans kind of broken down by gender identification and age spend their, you know, 24 hours a day. And what's fascinating is that the average American spends anywhere from two to five hours a day doing shopping related tasks. So that's everything from browsing to actively shopping to putting things in their carts and also to tending to their things. So that could be trying to offload their things if they don't want them anymore, putting their items in storage, cleaning those items, rearranging them, repairing them. So, so much of our time every day is devoted to things, to stuff. And uh, yeah. when you when you don't have as much of that lens on your life because it's not browsing and shopping, we're not recreational to me anymore, I got back so much time. Like, I'm not joking. I got a book deal. I got a promotion at work. My <laughs> friendships and relationships were better. I got healthier because I suddenly went from a person who was like, I'm just so busy. I don't have enough time to having a lot more time to devote to the things that were clearly priorities to me. And anything that was hard to give up? The hardest thing for me to give up was buying like new kind of impulsy makeup. I really set myself to moving through what I already had because how often do you finish a lipstick or something? I mean, I'm a I'm a beauty fiend and I've never finished a lipstick in my entire (laughs) in my entire life. So I think like that was for me one of the most difficult things, you know, but but it ended up being really great because I found ultimately I just didn't need those things. I had everything I needed already to feel polished and put together and a lot more money and time as well, which, which is great. And my home was less cluttered with things. You know, I think during the pandemic, a lot of us were sheltering in place for a good amount of time working from home. And so there was this huge kind of initiative where people were like, I need to declutter my home, these four walls, there's too much stuff in here. And, uh, you know, I don't really have that issue as much because I just, I don't buy, I really, if I do bring something into my home or my life, it's with a great amount of intention and forethought. So I, I know I'm going to have it for a long time. Always reminds me of George Carlin's monologue on stuff. Uh, Ashley Piper, thank you so much for your time on your, and your advice tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Great time talking to you.